Recalled by fire is our topic today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll have the verses on your screen. If you want to follow along, we're in the NIV today. And we're going to talk about Moses quite a bit. We're going to use some of his story from Exodus. I'm going to refer to something that is said about him in Hebrews. And also read to you some things from Acts chapter 7. Because Moses is very, a very central figure in the Bible. And a lot of us are like him. Amen? A lot of us are just like Moses. Uh, called by God, not sure what to do. Made a few mistakes along the way, but ended up doing well. And that's what we want today, because we want to see the fire of God recall us back into his service. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I've highlighted that word go because that's what God does when God says. God invites us to things, but he also commands us to things. God's invitation is more than an invitation to experience his presence. It's an invitation to get involved in his work. And Moses, you are called by God to go. And I want you to see this picture and this story and realize that in Moses' life, this is not the first time he'd been called by God. And I think we can get clues to that as we look at his earlier life because Moses was raised in Pharaoh's home as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But Hebrews says that there came a time when he was an adult that he decided not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but rather he was going to be known for one who identifies with the Israelites and he really had an understanding that he was there for a bigger purpose than just living and existing. Ladies and gentlemen, today, Independence declared to you that you are here for more than a purpose than just to exist. God has a divine plan for your life. And he wants you to know it. And that plan will be revealed to you in the form of a fire inside of you. I, I remember reading this a long time ago. My pastor, back when I was in my 20s, gave me a book called Fire in My Bones about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah basically said this. 
He said, I tried not to speak, but I couldn't because a fire within, was within me that I could not put out. Ladies and gentlemen, where's your fire today? If you've come to know Jesus Christ, you've come to know the fire. You say, I don't know about that. I can prove it in many different ways. I was reading in my own personal reading this morning from the book of Luke. Uh, I've got a prayer partner and I are going through Luke together again. It's one of my favorite books now. And I was reading about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. Fire means there's something inside of you, a presence inside of you, a power inside of you, a, something generating life inside of you that also has energy to go somewhere. We use fire for energy. God uses fire for energy. God has fired us and put us in his work, his service. Following Jesus is simply that, following him where he goes. Jesus is out in front, we are following. And Jesus is working and we are working. Jesus said, and I think it's John chapter 9, he said, My father works and I work and we must do the works of him that sent me while it is still day because the night comes when no one can work. Ladies and gentlemen, we were here for a greater purpose than just being in a church and just being in a family and just being in a country. God has something for us to do, and God is looking for us to do that thing that he has called us to do. And like a baseball player who has lost his swing, we come in here this morning in a spiritual slump, and we're swinging and missing at things, and we're wondering why life isn't working out for us, it's because we're swinging at the wrong stuff. If you're swinging at the breaking ball out of the strike zone, you're not going to hit it. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian and you think you can take your, your baseball bat and swing at what the world throws at you and hope that you hit it out of the park and get some type of satisfaction, you're in a slump. Because there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you like Jesus Christ, his work, and obedience to his name. And God has called us to do something, and today we want to get our recall. This is Moses' recall into the ministry. You know what a recall is, don't you? A recall is to call back or a summon to return, to go back to where you were. In the book of uh, Revelation chapter 3, the Bible talks about, or chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, the Bible talks about the church at Ephesus going back to their first love. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always that way. When you started doing anything in your life, <clears throat> there was a fire to do whatever it was, whether it was to get married, follow Jesus, or to pursue a career or something, there had to be something inside of you that motivated you to go in that direction. And for you to be successful doing what you have been called to do, the fire has to continually be stoked. That's why Paul told Timothy, and we heard it last week, fan it into flame. But too many of us are fanning the wrong flames. We're trying to get warm from things that can never make us warm. Moses tried that. When God recalled him, he'd been in Midian for 40 years. Say 40 years. That's, old, that's longer than some of you are old. 
And some of you think, man, that's like forever. It's not forever, I can tell you. You turn around two or three times, you'll be there. Quicker than you think. One day you'll look in the mirror and you go, what's my dad looking at me for? That's what happens to me all the time. I don't even know how it happened. It just did. And you got to go back to those things that first excited you. See, here in the church, we can't do what God's called us to do with people who are just nonchalant about the flame. God is calling us and recalling us today. Are you willing to let God stir you up this morning? You see, when we talk about a recall, there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first kind of recall, and I thought about this last week, was the kind where you get a phone call, and you look down, and it's a number you don't know, and you think, well, I don't think I should answer it, but then you think, well, it might be something important, and you put it to your ear, and it says, Hello, this is, and they put the name out and says, you're on a recorded line. Ever, anybody ever got one of those? And then they go on to say, well, the good news is today your name came across my desk. And I'm like, I'm so glad my name came across their desk so I could get this phone call that doesn't mean anything to me. And the bad news is, they say, is your warranty is expired. And Jerry, I don't have any warranties. So I'm like, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, just for a certain amount of money, we can fix your problem today. It's the same old story. They got a whole bunch of people and the same thing, and they do the same thing over and over. You guys know what I'm talking about. To be honest, to be transparent, sometimes I answer it in Spanish just for the fun of it, see what they do. And uh, one time I did get somebody that spoke back to me in Spanish. I'm like, oops. One time this guy called me, and, and I, he just kept trying to talk to me, and I just kept answering in Spanish just to see what he'd do, and he kept trying to talk to me. Finally, he thought, well, this guy doesn't speak English, so he thought he'd get smart. He started cursing me, and I mean really bad. So then my English came back, and I said, well, young man, let me tell you who you are. So anyway, it didn't go anywhere. That's my confession. Hi, my name's Brian. I struggle with uh, dealing with uh, phone people, Amen. Well, that's one kind of recall. The other kind of recall is one that comes to my house, and it's got Ford stamped on it. You ever seen one of those? If you own a Ford, most likely it's been recalled. In fact, has anybody here ever got a recall from a car, car company? Anybody? Just me? A couple of you did? How many of you ignore that? I ignored it for a long time. It said something about the latch in the back might come open. So I would recommend that if you ride with me, don't sit in the back. <laughs> Problem solved. And I'm not going to put my guitar back there either, right? Well, finally, after about two years, I thought, you know, you know, the way I do when something comes in, I'm not going to deal with it right then. I put it over here on my desk. And I come back the next day, I pick it up, and then I put it over here. Anybody do that? Isn't that crazy? You know, and it just, it finally gets tired of shuffling it. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. I call the company. I get a thing, uh, you know, an appointment. I take it in. I get it done. Everything's done. Everything's good. And I get something about six months later through the mail. It's got Ford stamped on it. I'm like, what now? And it says, we need to fix what we fixed. I kid you not. The same thing. We just realized we didn't do exactly what we needed to do. I'm like, forget it. Just don't ride in the back of my vehicle. And you'll be fine, all right? So that's one kind of recall, but this recall is different. This is a summon to return back to where you began. You see, the recall that God's going to give you is connected to your original call. 
It's connected. What God called you to do at the first, he's recalling you to do now. Do you realize that God doesn't change his mind about his plans for your life? Did you notice that? What he said in the beginning, he's still saying. Can you prove that? Sure, I'll do that. Let me give you one more point about that, and then I'll prove it with the scripture. A recall is a recommitment to the original call. It's not a brand new call. It's a recommitment to the original call. Now, do you realize that the Greek word call is the word klesis, and it means a calling or an invitation? Many times it's referred to the act of salvation, receiving salvation. Do you know that when you're saved, God invited you, called you to salvation? You were invited to be saved. But that calling is bigger than that, and I'll prove that today. But see, you have gotten that original call. That original call was to be saved. It wasn't just to, you know, get, you know, things right with me so I can live my life. It was a calling to follow Jesus. It's a calling with action implied. And the recall is going to be similar. It's going to be the same. God has not changed his mind about what he wants out of you. If he ever said to you, come follow me, he's never decided, you know what, I've had it with you. You've messed it up so much, just go somewhere else. God is still wanting you involved. The, the Bible says this, we'll put the scripture on the board, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Do you see that? You're not going to get another thing from God that says, hey, cancel the first call. It's irrevocable. It doesn't change. God called me to the ministry years and years ago. That calling has been on my life, I think, since I was a kid. I remember a little bit about that when I was a kid. It seemed like the people in my church were saying that they thought the calling was on me. I don't know, to, to do what I'm doing now. And there's been many times in my life <clears throat> when I've done ministry and haven't done it very well and made some mistakes, and I thought, it's over now. I'll never do that again. I can tell you in specifics that when I came to Eastland 16 years ago, I was in a state of mind that I was never going to pastor another church. That's what I thought because I'd had an experience that I just thought, this is not worth it. Do you ever think that? This is just not worth it? But you know the truth is, it is worth it. And God never stopped drawing me back to doing his work. He just sent me back to Metropolis. I didn't see that coming. I was living in Tennessee. I didn't think I'd ever come back north. To me, that's the wrong direction. You know, south, warm. That's what makes sense to me. But God's ways aren't always our ways, are they? So God recalled me and put me back in. And now am I glad I'm here? Because now I get to be with y'all. And get to see what we get to see here in the Eastland Life Church. And it's been great. I can tell you honestly, in all the churches I've pastored and the work that I've done, I've never experienced a church that has treated their pastor better than you guys have. Never. And I'm glad to, to be here. So, let's talk about Moses. What happened with him? First, there was his call. The call of God came to Moses before the burning bush. Acts chapter 7, verse 20. So at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. Point number one here, or under the first point, is that Moses was no ordinary child. Now, 
that sounds funny. It's like they looked at Moses. He was not ordinary. What? Did he glow? What was it? You know, something about him? Did he come forth from the womb? He was speaking or something? I don't know what, the, what it was, but I can tell you this. I had three children, and as far as I'm concerned, they were not ordinary children. They were mine. And I thought they were pretty special because they belonged to me. Y'all with me on this? Well, the Bible says, for whatever reason, he was no ordinary child. And Moses, not only was he not, not an ordinary child, but he had no ordinary childhood. The Bible says in Acts 7, 21, when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. You know the story. The children were being persecuted and killed, so Moses' mother put him in the, the river, and Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him in Egypt. Remember that? That's what was happening. That's not an ordinary childhood. God saved Moses from sure and certain death because God had a purpose for him. He was no ordinary child, no ordinary childhood. He had no ordinary calling. His calling was something that God had spoken about 400 years before. Do you know that? When Israel went into Egypt with Joseph and Jacob was there, it was prophesied that the Israelites would be enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years, but that God would bring them out. And that was 400 years later, there's this little baby named Moses that's been chosen by God to do this. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's not ordinary. Ladies and gentlemen, the extraordinary God calls us to an extraordinary life. You see, I want to make sure that you don't look at Moses and say, well, he was different. God had a plan for him. God protected him from things. And God used him to live an extraordinary life. I want you to know that that's you too. If you only knew, Christians, what Satan has tried to do to you throughout your life, you would be amazed at how God has brought you through it all. Moses had no understanding that he was in danger for his life. He was an infant. He didn't know, but God protected him. God put him right into the center of the place where he would be used. And I would say to you today, it is the same with us. God protected you to get you here today. God has been watching over you throughout your life to get you where you are today because God is not done with you. And God wants you and I to live an extraordinary life, not a life of the ordinary, but the extraordinary. Let's look at the calling of God on Moses. His calling was to deliver Israel. He had something specific to do. And I would say to you today that the call of God is an invitation to life and work. God invites you to follow him. God invites you to work for him. Never separate it. Too many people in the church today believe that it is God's will for us to just get smarter in the Bible and never use the gifts that he's given us. Ladies and gentlemen, may that never be so. The book of James says, someone will say, I have faith and you have works. James says, you show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith because I have works. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are called and invited by God to be saved, we have been called and invited by God to serve. And what's wrong in America today is that in our country and in our churches, 
We have become consumers rather than servers. We are here to do something to make a difference. And when we do not, things deteriorate. Moses had that fire. And the fire in him began when he was about 40 years old. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, when he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people. Why did he do that? We have no record of the initial call of Moses to the ministry, but Moses is showing that he knows something is different about him. He knows that he is here for something different. You see, you might not have a burning bush in front of you today, but everyone who's been saved has that still small voice inside of them and that desire to do something. You see, when it comes to preaching, when, when I gave my life to the Lord to do this, I had a desire to do this. I want to do this. I like the work that I have. I work a lot. And I spend a lot of time studying and putting things together that I can bring to you on the weekends. Yesterday, Robin and the three-year-old was somewhere in Paducah, and the five-year-old was with me, and I was working on my sermon. And we had an agreement. You play on your tablet. I'm going to get this work done. Every once in a while, she'd come into the room and say, are you done yet? I said, no, baby, I still got some more to do. One time she looked at me and says, all you do is work. I feel bad for you. <laughs> I said, you know, the truth is, I said, one day you're going to get older and you're going to need to work too. I said, I want to tell you something. If you work for the Lord, you'll never be sorry because it's the best work you can do. You see, I have a fire to do this. I have a fire to do what God's put, put in me. God's put music in me, too. I have a fire to do what you saw done today. I mean, that was as good as anything we've done here today. Ministry to you. Something to spark you. That's what that's for. Amen? And I love it that I get a chance to be a part of that. But see, Moses' fire began, and then it burned. And he started his ministry, and look how it went. Acts chapter 7. Moses saw one of his Hebrew brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Uh-oh. If you go back to Exodus, you find out that Moses said he saw a couple of uh, an Egyptian beating on an Israelite, and the Bible says Moses looked this way, and he looked that way, and then he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Now, if I came to you guys, Jerry, 16 years ago, and on my resume I said, I've done pretty good. I, I did have this one indiscretion. I killed, an Israel, I killed an Egyptian. Might not have gotten far in the process, right? But that's Moses. See, some of you in here this morning think, I have failed so miserably that God can never use me again. If God can use Moses, he can use you. Do you think Moses always did it right? Do you think the Apostle Paul always did it right? Do you think any of the patriarchs always did it right? Stop looking at that. Stop looking at your failures and start looking at the fire. Because God can still use you. And the only reason God won't use you is because of your stubbornness not to allow God to use you. That's it in a nutshell. You see, many times our first attempt at ministry doesn't go very well. Moses' first act as a minister failed. 
What do you think motivated him? He had the fire. He's like, this is wrong. It was wrong for the Egyptian to beat on the Israelite. That's true. But the way he went about it was in the flesh and not motivated by the Spirit. What we come to find out is that the wisdom of the Egyptians was not the basis of the ministry of Moses. Moses was doing what he saw the Egyptians do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to do ministry in the name of Jesus, you can't do it the way the pagans do it. Jesus didn't teach us that, did he? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Jesus said if someone hits you on one side of the cheek, some literal theologian says we turn the cheek, get hit then, and then we clean their clock. (laughs) That's not it at all, is it? The idea is that we don't do this in our power, but we do it through his power. Jesus said, listen to me, guys. Jesus said, we overcome evil by good. That's so radical. Moses did what he knew to do, and it was wrong. And when he realized what had happened, the fire was banished. The Bible says the next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting and he tried to reconcile them and said, Men, you are brothers. Why are you trying to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and a judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he ran. He fled to Midian. He got out. You know why? Because everything he had tried to do didn't work. And he thought people were going to say, hey, there's our deliverer. And they they said actually the opposite. They said, are you going to kill me the way that you killed the Egyptian? Moses like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And so he got out. The fire began, burned, and is banished. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what happened here? The extraordinary settles with being ordinary. I'll just be a shepherd I'll stop what God's called me to do and I'll settle with an ordinary life I wonder how many of you settled Bible says he settled as a foreigner he's like I messed it up I can't do it anymore I tried I failed Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what the flesh does because the flesh is ordinary and it resists the extraordinary. We've not called to live ordinary lives. We've not called to settle. We've called to live the extraordinary life. But Many times we make it hard on ourselves because we do things in the power of the flesh. And I want to take a little side note and I want to talk to you about what it looks like when you're doing things in the power of the flesh. I want to give you a few things I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but I'll put it on the screen. How to know that you're doing things in the flesh rather than the spirit. You realize the difference, right? The spirit is the fire that's in us. That's the inspiration in us to do what God's called us to do. That's the spirit. The flesh is our old nature. The flesh is our vengeful spirit. The flesh is how we react to things rather than respond in kind. Let me give you a few things. This is how you know that you're doing things in the flesh. First, the action is impulsive rather than inspired. You see, there's something in us that if, going back to that illustration, you get hit, you respond immediately, don't you? No one has to tell you to duck when something's coming at you. 
We have something in us that fights back. It's called the flesh nature. And that's why we need discipline and that's why we need to grow because as we grow, we are called to become filled with God's Spirit rather than filled with the flesh. When we're filled with the flesh, we do things in the flesh. And when we do things in the flesh, we settle. We live an ordinary life rather than extraordinary. So when our actions are impulsive, we just act. More than likely, you're in the flesh. When you're in the spirit, you're inspired. God inspires you to action. That old bracelet, WWJD, can help us here, right? Because if you're taking a baseball bat to somebody... And then you start thinking, what would Jesus do? You might stop. Amen. Another way that you know that you're doing things in the flesh is you hesitate. Moses had to look both ways to make sure no one was watching. So that's another point. You cover it. You do it when no one's watching. You want to make sure that you move away from public scrutiny. Moses killed this man. And hit him in the sand. I guess he thought that was going to work. All in the flesh. Look, if you have to hide somebody in the sand, pretty much you should know you're not doing what God wants. It's based on revenge. You're doing things in the flesh if it's based on revenge. This one's tough, isn't it? Everybody wants to get back. They want to get back at them. They want to get even. They want to rant. They want to tell off. In the side note here, sometimes I, I'll read something that says, here comes my rant. I'm like, I don't even read it. Why would I want to read that? When you say I'm ranting, all you're saying is you're being impulsive and you're in the flesh. Why do I care what you say? I'm not going to drink that stuff. If it's based on revenge, you have forgotten what God says about revenge. God says vengeance is mine. You say, that's really hard. Of course it's hard. And you can only do that if the fire's burning. You see, if you're like, I just can't help myself. Well, you're telling off on yourself. The fire that's motivating you is not the fire of God. It's the fire of the flesh. Another, reason, another way that you know that you're in the flesh, it's done without wisdom. Without wisdom. You don't ask somebody's help. You just... Do and hope for the best. Another thing is you simply get ahead of God's timing. You see, Moses was there to deliver, but this wasn't the way. I mean, think of the strategy. Moses did not sit down and think that through, did he? I'm going to deliver Israel. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill all the Egyptians. It's not a very good strategy. It doesn't even make sense. How do you think that's going to work? Well, if I kill this one, they're going to all, all my brothers are going to rise up and we're going to do this together. No. That's not how God was going to do it. The last one is you just don't understand God's will. You're not understanding God's will. You don't understand what God wants from you. And so you do things in the flesh and you settle for an ordinary life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm tired of ordinary. You tired of it? Moses walked away from what God called him to do and he spent 40 years in Midian. 40 years. A lot of people are like, well, I'll just do it, and God's just going to have to like it. Well, God doesn't like it, and you know what? I don't think you do either. Because if you're in Midian, you're not where God wants you to be. And after 40 years, God got his recall. And I don't know how long it's been since you've been active in the kingdom of God, but today is a good day for a recall, amen? 
So why do we need a recall? First of all, because God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. God hasn't changed his mind. God hasn't looked at you and said, you know what? I'm just done with you. You might say you're done, but God's never done. And God can wait it out longer than you can. Amen? We need a recall when something went wrong. We need a recall when something needs to be replaced or something needs to be done. We need a recall when we have failed at the first one, when we have forsaken the first one, and we have cut, some of us have lived so long that we have absolutely forgotten the first one. We've forgotten why we got in this business in the first place. Why are you here? Why are you here today? I am here today to seek the Lord. Are you here for that, for that reason? Many people have forgotten. Church, like everything else in our life, can become so routine. We just do it. And we don't remember why. We need a recall. Many of us have forgotten who we are. I asked some of you, who are you? I'm just ordinary. We have forgotten what we are to do. What's your calling? Have no clue. Some of us have failed at what we do. Foolishly wasted our gifts. And we found ourselves out of place. And that was Moses. Forty years. Acts 7, 34, after 40 years had passed, notice this. An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. How about that? When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, and he went over to get a closer look. I wonder when the last time you were amazed at something God had done. I want you to know God could set a bush on fire, and a bush is not consumed. I'm telling you, God can put a fire in you. That will amaze your life if you'll open up to him today. And so the fire was going and, and Moses was amazed and it got Moses' attention. That's one of the things we want to do here. Things like with our worship ministry, we want to come out and do what we do with excellence, giving it unto God because we want to get people's attention that God is alive. We want people to get amazed at what God can do. My friend Gary Moat says, that Eastland Baptist Church, and he calls it Eastland Baptist, he says, is the best secret in Metropolis. He said, most of the country don't even know y'all are here, but you got the best thing going. Every time he comes here and experiences what we have, he walks away amazed. When's the last time you've been amazed? Or is it just ordinary to you? It's not ordinary. It's extraordinary that we can get together like we do. And we can have the spirit like we do. And we can pray and have God's presence like we do. And here in this little place on 3rd Street in Metropolis, that this type of ministry can exist, it's amazing to me that people can come out of darkness into light and people's lives can be out of sorts and chaotic and be put back into order. That's amazing to me. And it's time for you and I to get amazed again because our God is nothing but ordinary. He is extraordinary. And the Bible says he was amazed at the sight and he went over to get a closer look and he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, 
Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. And I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come and I will send you back to Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the recall. God has not changed his mind, Moses. Moses, you're trying to settle. Moses, you want to be ordinary. God says, I'll never settle with you being ordinary. You might have settled into an existence that is ordinary, but the extraordinary God is calling you to an existence that is an extraordinary life. You can experience it. You can see it. You can be a part of it. You can be amazed by what God can do. But what God is looking for is people that's like, yes, I'm willing to do it. You see, there's some things in this recall that we need to know today. The first thing is that this recall was supernatural. We will never get there through the power of the flesh. We will never get to revival by trying harder. But we will certainly never get there by doing nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the ministry of the chair has gone long enough. Many people see their ministry as one of a chair. I go someplace, I find a chair, I listen, and then I go home. Ladies and gentlemen, the chair is the place where we come in to the huddle, and we come in and we get the plans from our God, and we figure out what we're supposed to do. But then when we get done here, we take what God has given us here, and we take it out there. Ladies and gentlemen, there's never been a touchdown scored from the stand. Nobody wins in the stands. And too much of Christianity is in the stands. God is looking for people out of the stands, back on the field. It is supernatural today, ladies and gentlemen. And I want you to know, you might say, I can't tackle 11 different people on the other side. You put one person filled with God's spirit and 11 people will go down. Because God's supernatural. If God can set a bush on fire and it not be consumed, he can set you on fire and it won't burn you out. It won't burn you up. He'll just burn brighter for the glory of God. The call of God, the recall of God is supernatural. The recall was specific. God has a way of putting it right on you what he wants. So many people say, I just wish I knew what God wanted out of me. Let me help you with that. The reason you don't know what God wants you to do is because somewhere along the line, you have not obeyed what he's already told you to do. You think about that. Until you obey the first thing, God's not going to give you the second thing. And many of us have clearly violated what he told us in the first place. And then we live our life in confusion and settle and ordinary. Ladies and gentlemen, the recall was specific. God said to Moses, you go. The recall was sacred. The recall was sacred. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You know something today? I think the church in America sometimes has forgotten that when we gather together, it's holy ground. I mean, this building, apart from the Spirit of God that comes through us, is just a building. But when we gather here, and God's presence is here, it's holy ground. 
God told Moses, take your sandals off. You know what Moses did? He took them off. He reverenced the place of meeting with God. Guys, let's not look at our church as ordinary. Let's not look at our worship service as ordinary. It's extraordinary. Called supernatural, sacred, specific. Recall. God says to Moses, remember your identity. God says, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He called Moses' name, Moses. And the recall today is that we remember our identity. I wonder today, just who are you to anyway? Who are you? Are you just a person that's settling through life? Are you a person that's attached to the extraordinary God? The recall reveals our inactivity. What are you doing? You see, Moses has been working, but he wasn't doing what God had told him to do. And for 40 years, he settled, and God calls him and basically is like, Moses, what are you doing? You know the story. God begins to talk to him, says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Moses is like, nah, I can't, I can't do that. It's crazy because I read in Acts that the Bible says Moses was skilled in wisdom of the Egyptians. I think he'd already been somebody that had spoke before, but he's telling God, I, I, I can't speak. So many people do that. God's like, who, who, who made men's mouth anyway? It was me. I made, I made your mouth. See, so many people are like, I can't. I just, I just can't. I just can't. No, it's just you won't. What's your identity and what about your inactivity? And then the recall restates your responsibility. You see, the calling is an invitation to receive a gift. But do you know something? Every gift requires a responsible act. There's responsibility attached to every gift. Tell me a gift you have, I'll tell you a responsibility. You have a marriage, you have a responsibility. You have children, you have a responsibility. You have a ministry, you have a responsibility. You have a vehicle, you have a responsibility. You can't, just can't drive around with no oil in it, right? Well, if you've been given the gift of salvation, you have a responsibility. Moses, you have a responsibility. You're the one that's going to go to Pharaoh. Moses like, I can't do that. You see, the recall restates your responsibility. And, God, and Moses is like, I can't, I can't, I can't. God says, what's in your hand? And I ask you today, what's in your hand? You see, Moses had a staff. And God used the staff of Moses to lead the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt back into Israel. And God will use whatever's in your hand. What's in your hand today? Whatever God has given you, that's what God wants you to use. God doesn't expect you to use my gifts. God expects you to use yours. So tell me, what's in your hand? What can you do? And finally, the recall restarts your ministry. God said, now go. Go. Who? Us. When? Now. Ladies and gentlemen, let me finish by saying this. God puts something in your hand and expects you to use it. God is not ordinary. 
God is not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You have gotten to this place through the providential hand of God. Look up here. God's not done with you. God is not ordinary. You are not ordinary. Your gifts are not ordinary. Your ministry is not ordinary. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest you today, do not waste the extraordinary on an ordinary life. What I want you to do today is to think about what is needed in this hour. We live in a time right now where it could be that as we go through life living ordinary lives, that the forces of evil that is against us, even in our country, began to move us away from the founding principles that we have lived on and doing their best to introduce things to us that is not going to be for our benefit. If you've not been paying attention, you, don't, you may not realize that the word socialism is considered very positively amongst young people because they have no idea what they're talking about. You may not realize that there are people in the government right now that are seeking to bring what I think is a communistic takeover of our country and the church is just sitting aside and watching it happen. You see, I'm not ashamed to be patriotic today and I'm not ashamed to be a believer in Jesus Christ because when I think the church is on fire for God, then the church will be on fire for the country that gives us the physical protection to do what we do here today. And I think it's way past time for us to be living ordinary lives and spend all of our time on social media and just doing things that don't even matter, playing video games and doing things that have no uh, output that's going to make anything different. We need to come back to the fire that God's put in us and we need to be the people that God's called us to be so that we can live in the nation that we need to live in. My little grandkids are going to outlive me. And I don't want them to live under that oppression. And ladies and gentlemen, while the church has been asleep and doing our fun things, evil has come in and taken over education to the point that God is completely nowhere to be found. History is being rewritten. The United States is now considered to be an evil nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been in other nations. Try it sometime. We have freedom in this country. But that freedom is being chipped away. And all you have to do to lose your freedom is do nothing. Because evil will never stop. And it's not God's will for us to sit here and just watch it happen. We can make a difference, but we can't do it through the flesh. We have to do it through the power of the Spirit. We have to get right with God. Come back to that burning bush. Go back to where you started. Is your marriage in trouble? Go back to why you did it in the first place. If you're not close to God, go back to why you did it in the first place. If you haven't been patriotic lately, go back to why we do this in the first place. We need to learn to celebrate again. We need to be amazed by God again. In fact, when you look through history, never has there been a time when a nation like ours has had democracy for this long. And we're in danger of it being gone. And I just want to say, not on my watch. 
Not while I've got a mouth to speak, I will speak against the evil that is coming down to us from all types of places. And I will say to the church, church, it's time to rise up. It's time to stop being ordinary. We cannot win this thing sitting in the stands. We got to get on the field today. And God is saying to you and me this morning, God is recalling us back to our first love, recalling us back to those things that motivate us to live the type of life that we need to live so that people can come to know Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want fire to be here on 3rd Street. 